Jesus, I pray that you would use uh, whatever words come out of my mouth to just encourage and bless everyone who hears them today. I thank you, God, for the trials that you have used to break us of our self-sufficiency and our pride. And I just pray that as children of God, we would join together in unity today and and be able to hear the freedom that your spirit is going to bring us today. We can't understand your words with a natural mind, so we need your Holy Spirit to teach us. And so we ask very simply, but without doubting, that you would transform the way we see this scripture that we're going to look at today uh, with eyes of your Holy Spirit, with the way you want us to remember your love and your promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The title of today's message is Exceedingly Great Promises. Exceedingly great. You can throw the word precious in there too. Exceedingly great and precious promises. And we're going to start by reading verse 5 because we're going to run a test real quick. We're going to test our hearts. So let's begin in verse 5 of chapter 1 of 2 Peter. But this, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Amen. You may get seated. As I was reading that, I want you to think about how did that make you feel reading those verses? It could have brought a, a, a myriad of different emotions, but I would dare to say that the most common emotion felt when people read that verse and that verse alone is, I thought faith was all I had to have. And I'm kind of intimidated. I'm a little scared. Because most of the time, all I'm doing is barely hanging on by faith. Or am I the only one? That's how I feel a lot of times. Faith, oh my God, is just all that I have sometimes. And when I see a list of adding to my faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control godliness, I stop right there because I don't even want to read the rest of them because I already know I can't do it. I feel like I can't do it. I know, no, I don't feel, I know I can't do it. I cannot produce these character attributes in myself. No one can. So what is so important for us is to read the Bible with context, knowing what the whole Bible says. Because if I just read that verse, we might get the idea that you're supposed to have faith and then produce all these other things in addition to your faith, that these things depend on you. But what we're going to do is we're going to read the entire context around this. We're going to go through it line by line, precept upon precept, and we're going to 
free you and me today from those shackles that you think you need to produce that list. And instead of this being a list of requirements and a list of things you need to measure up to, this is going to be a list of promises. So let's begin at the beginning of the book and get the full context. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The only thing talked about there is faith. How do we become part of the family of God? Brothers and sisters in the Lord? By faith, right? Let's keep going. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. If anyone studies the word of God, attempting to get to know God, we're going to come to this word, grace. I've heard you guys say it 25 times so far today. I wasn't counting. But that means you have a well an awesome pastor. You do have an awesome pastor. And I'm telling you the truth. The Holy Spirit woke me up this morning early, and he told me to tell you guys something. Not you. You can shut your ears. He told me to tell you guys to walk up to your pastor and tell him how much you love him. I don't know why, but that's what I heard from Jesus today. Okay? So I'll leave that in your your, what you should do today, whatever. <laughs> but if anyone studies the word of God, we come to this word grace. Pastor John is so faithful to teaching you guys about grace, and we're going to study it some more today. It's everywhere. And as, as we study the complete word of God from cover to cover, it seems like this word grace is the most important idea or doctrine that God is trying to explain to us and, and teach us about from page to page all throughout Scripture. It's grace. The gospel is not about what you do for God, but about what God does for you. And that's why grace is so vitally important, because God gives us grace. It's what he does for us. It's what Jesus gives to us. In John 1 and 14, it says that Jesus is full of grace and truth. He's full of it. Just picture a cup, just full of grace. And we all receive his grace. We don't earn it. It was given it, and we receive it. And as we really get to know God, like our scripture here in Peter said, getting to know God, grace is given he begins to multiply our understanding of what this grace is. Just like getting to know anyone has, has a way of helping us go deeper. Like, like with a spouse or a close friend, you start to really know what makes that person special over time. If your husband reach over and pinch your wife and say, yeah, you're special. And it's the same with the Lord as we spend time with him. Over time, he starts to show us why he is so amazing and special. 
And in these relationships, what makes our relationships so special, all the husbands and wives and sons and daughters, is one word, promises. That's how what's inside of you can come out to another person in faithfulness. It's promises. When you make a promise to someone and you keep it even when it is rough, even when you don't feel like it, you keep that promise. That means so much to someone who's being loved. Getting to know Jesus is the most wonderful relationship you will ever experience because it's so one-sided. He makes all the promises and gives all the resources or grace, and we simply receive all the fulfillment of his promises. A good church is going to talk about this relationship a lot. Do you guys? Good. Because that's what grace is always pushing us towards. Relationship, relationship, getting to know God better, trusting in the Lord more, day by day, growing in grace. How do we get to know God better? Not by law. Not when you keep the list of rules. But when God makes a promise to you, you believe it and receive his grace. That's how we get to know God and grow in, religion, in relationship. With God, it's not a legal relationship based on your performance. It's a love relationship based on his performance. And God invites us into this love relationship. It's not a burden to be loved by God. It's a tremendous blessing. His grace is nothing but, but blessing and peace for those who enter this relationship by faith. Let's look at how Peter explains this grace now. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, grace is simply the power of God and the heart of God given to you, implanted in you. The language of grace is promises, not demands. You ever felt like God was making demands on you? That was a lie. It is not true. He promises you his grace. Now, I know what's going on in our minds and in our hearts is that, well, I've heard a lot of commands in the Bible. I've heard a lot of commands even in the New Testament. In fact, we started today looking at some commands. Add to your faith this and add to your faith that. So how do we reconcile that we are told to do things, yet God says, don't do anything? How does that work together? And the answer is grace. 
All the promises of God are exceedingly great and abundant promises. And I would like you to start hearing these commands through the lens of promises. You ever heard God's promises? Excuse me. God's commands are his enablements. God's commands are his enablements. God, when he tells you to do something, will provide all that you need to do to accomplish that thing. All that you need inside. Because his commands are exceedingly great and precious. They're never empty promises. They're never dependent on me and my efforts promises. They're never worthless promises. They're only exceedingly great and precious promises. I like to quote a guy named Spurgeon. You ever heard of him? When I, I quote him most weeks and I sing a little jingle, Spurgeon quote, Spurgeon quote. I don't know why, I just think it's funny. So here's our Spurgeon quote for the day. God's promises are both exceedingly great in the sense of being large and imposing, and they are precious in the sense of being valuable. Many things are great, but not precious, such as large rocks. They are, have little value. On the other hand, many things are precious, but not great, such as diamonds or other jewels, which cannot be very great if they are very precious. But here we have the promises which are so great that they are not less than infinite, yet so precious that they are not less than divine. He could preach. And what is promised right here in Second Peter? All things. That's what he said. All things that pertain to life and godliness. The power for all things that you need to do is promised to you. The very power of God is given to you in this promise. His divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness was the text. All things? Yes. All things. I have been given all things that I will ever need for life and godliness. And I will never have lack. I will never not have access to the resources that I need to be all that God has made me to be. That's the promise made to you. That's the confidence you can have. You can be all that you have been called to be. Well, that sounds a lot like one other guy I know. Jesus. He was all that God called him to be, wasn't he? He had total victory. He never had a lack of resources. Even though he was poor and didn't have a place to lay his head, the Lord always provided even though he suffered, the Lord always was with him, and he never doubted, and he never gave up on believing. Jesus had supernatural ability. He lived with exceedingly great promises being fulfilled daily in his life. And who did Jesus believe in? The Father. And then he said, all who believe in me have the right to be called children of God. He's saying, he's begging you 
you can believe your father too. Peter here, he's writing you a letter saying you can believe your father as well. Do we believe this? Or do we look at things more practically? Instead of looking at Jesus and what he had and who he was, do we look at ourselves and say, I'm not that. I don't have victory all the time. I don't succeed all the time. And I certainly don't love people all the time like he did. I have some resources. I have some ability. After all, I'm only human. Are we more practical than we should be? Peter seems here to not be very practical at all. He says, you've been given all things. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your needs are. There are resources available to you today to meet your needs. Well, I don't think so. I'm just a human. Oh, really? Are you just a human? It says here that having been given all things to us, exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. What does that mean? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, what does it mean? It means you used to be only human. You used to be only a son of Adam. Only able to do the things that Adam could do, which was rebel and sin. A constant desire to go our own way. That's who we used to be. But through his grace and love, you are invited to take part in a new nature. A divine nature. Where you are adopted as a child of God. Not just legally. But you are made a child of God by supernatural divine power. And the old man, where did he go? Where did the old man go that you used to be? He died. Where did he die? On the cross. By faith, we become united in Christ. And our old man that was dead, our old man is put to death, excuse me, on the cross. And that happened the day that you believed. You were made a new man, a child of God. You could say born again. Who's been born again? As a child of God, you have been freed from the corruption that is in this world, the Bible says. So why am I still tempted? Why do I feel like I'm not freed? The Bible says I'm freed. Jesus says I'm freed. Why do I feel like I'm not freed? I'm going to tell you in a couple minutes. The power of sin, the Bible says, is broken. You have been freed. That's what the Bible says. The moment the Holy Spirit made you alive as a new creation, God portioned off his spirit 
And he had your name on it and he implanted it in you and you became bright and glorious as if you had never sinned. And that's how God sees you in truth right now. And if the angels could tell you how they see you, they don't see, they don't see your failures. They don't see evil thoughts in you. They don't see mistakes. They see the brightness of God's glory shining out from you. Even when you don't even experience it. Even when you don't feel it. That is the reality of who you are. You became a new creation. So, that's it then? I just asked Jesus to save me and I'm all good? That's what you're telling me, right? I'm a new creation. Well, it's true that grace... That this grace has been given to us that makes us new. But we need to decide to apply the grace that's been given to us every day. It's like if I handed you a brand new debit card. In fact, if you look under your... No, I'm just kidding. That would have been awesome, though. Brand new debit card with uh, my name on it. Pastor Sean, right on your debit card. And it was given to you. Okay, And I told you it was loaded with exceedingly abundant amount of riches. Mm. Unlimited resources. You have a choice when you go to check out at the store of which card you're going to pull out. You can pull out your old busted up crinkly debit card with your name on it. And watch it get declined like always. And that is the self-life. Or you can take out the crisp new shiny debit card with unlimited resources with my name on it. Preloaded on it. And that is grace. It's not your debit card that you're paying with. When you got to forgive someone, you got to pull out a debit card. Are you going to pull out your debit card and watch it get declined? Or are you going to pull it out the new life that God has given you? Where you can forgive because God commands you to forgive. When you got to love your wife, men, you got you could pull out two debit cards. Which may be smart. <laughs> At some points in time, you may, you may need two debit cards. Because you need to forget. Never mind. Thank you, Jesus. When we asked Jesus to save us, he did. He does. But he also provides all that we'll ever need to live this life the way that he has designed us to live it. Because when we got saved, it wasn't just because we were sinners. It's because we couldn't be right. We couldn't do what was right. And Jesus said, all right. All right, all right, all right. I'll make you all right. I'm not just going to forgive your sins. I'm going to make you righteous.
When we live life according to his will, obeying his commands, it is by his grace alone. Now let's get back to our verse that gave us such a fright at the beginning of church. Verse 5, it says, But for this very reason, giving all diligence... Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. Add to my faith? I thought all I needed was faith. Wasn't that the bargain? Jesus does everything and I believe it. I thought that's what the gospel was. You're right. That's how I get saved. That's how you get saved, is by faith. I believe the message of Jesus on the cross. I have faith that it was for me. And it was sufficient to save me when he was murdered. And it washes away my sins. And that was a great day, wasn't it? Wasn't it? For the first time when I heard God's good news and I believed I felt like a million pounds lift off my shoulders. What did it feel like for you? When you knew you would never pay for any sin you ever committed or ever would commit. That's right. And I did nothing to earn that grace. I just believe. And you did too. All I did was humble myself and acknowledge my need to God and believe the word that he spoke and forgiveness and grace was mine. Humility and faith. That's how we access this grace. So here he says to add to our faith. Add what? I'm going to tell you right now. We add all the things that have already been given to you by God. By grace, through promises. All the things have already been given to you. I want you to imagine, if you could, that I'm walking up here, but above me are floating all these tanks supernaturally just floating above me. And and these tanks have a pipe that go directly into my heart. And each of these tanks, when you became a believer, when I became a believer, God filled up to the top with grace upon grace upon grace. And each of these tanks has a name like diligence or virtue, knowledge, self-control, love, all the other things. And these tanks, they're floating above me, and the grace is right there, available to me. And we decide moment by moment whether we're going to add these tanks to our life. We decide moment by moment whether we're going to open the door in our heart to receive from God His grace or whether we're going to keep that door shut, pull out our debit card, and swipe it again. 
Let's look at these promises one by one. The first one God promises us is virtue. Virtue. What does that mean? It means being good. A real internal goodness and integrity. Brother and sister, it has already been given to you. All virtue has been given to you. And we are learning moment by moment to receive that virtue, that grace in our lives, moment by moment. What do we got to do? We just step forward in faith and receive it. Step forward in faith and add it would be the text, right? The next one, knowledge. Truth is not a mystery to you anymore once you become a believer. It's all clear in Christ. You can know your real and true identity. You can know God's will for all your life. It's already given to you. This knowledge is already given to you. Just step forward in faith and add it. How about self-control? Resisting temptation. Spending our time wisely avoiding waste and indulging in drugs or alcohol or entertainment too much. It's already given to you. Just step forward in faith and add it. His grace has already been given. Perseverance. The ability to not give up. To keep on going when it's difficult. To love when you're hated. To stand when you should fall. To be able to wait for God's hand to help when it seems like all is lost. It's already given to you. You can do that. Step forward in faith and add it. Godliness. Becoming like God in our thoughts, in our emotions, in our desires. No worrying. God doesn't worry about nothing. Constant victory. God's never failing. Pure desires. It's already given to you. Step forward in faith and add it. That's what Peter says. Brotherly kindness. Caring about our brothers and sisters. Going to church. You literally can't exercise brotherly kindness if you don't join with the brothers and sisters anywhere. I don't need to go to church. I don't care. The church needs you. They need your love. They need your gifts. We all miss out when we don't come when you don't come here and bless us. By life filled with grace and doing what God has asked you to do. Well, I don't know if I can be kind to those people at church because they are. You guys filled in a whole bunch of words when I didn't say anything. I saw it. I saw the bubbles go in and I saw the words. It's a spiritual gift I have. You can love them because it's already given to you to love them. But you just got to surrender to his will and add it. How about love? 
agape, sacrificial love. Giving your life for your friends, treating your enemies like your friends, and giving your life for them too. Forgiving, patience, selfless, all the qualities you know from 1 Corinthians 13. You never produce this type of love yourself, guys. You can't love your husband. Are you kidding? You can barely love your kids. (laughs) We don't have this in ourselves. They're in the floating tanks. They're available to you, but you got to add them. Add them. Now let's move on. Peter doesn't stop there. He says, for if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guess what, Peter? They are yours. They are yours, guys. And you can add them so they do abound. But that's up to you. God made them all available in the floating tanks. The debit card he handed to you. He gave it to you in grace. Exceedingly abundant promises have been made to you. So add them. Now this is called abiding in Christ. When we decide to add these things. And the result of this decision, this decision to abide in Christ is that we will bear fruit. We will bear fruit. First, or excuse me, John 15, 5, you guys know, says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do, that's that debit card, right? (laughs) Empty. Knowing Jesus is living by his grace. You can't say, I know Jesus and I do things on my own. I know Jesus, but I never ask him for grace. I know Jesus, but I never seek his will. I know Jesus but I don't care. I know Jesus means I receive his life. I open up those tanks. I pull out his debit card instead of mine. Mm. Do you worry sometimes that you aren't doing enough for God? That you are not a fruitful branch? Abiding in Christ is moment by moment, humbly depending upon Jesus for absolutely everything. Do we worry that we're not doing enough for God? Oh, how we need to remember what he does for us first. Grace first. That's the only way that we can do anything for God because that is how fruit develops in our life. You want to do more for God? Stop trying. If you want to do more for God, stop trying. 
and remember all that he has done for you. Remember these exceedingly great promises. And spend some time asking yourself, do I believe that one? Do I believe this one? Do I believe? Because according to the word, that's the only question that really matters. Do you believe? But we all know those believers that are barren and unfruitful. Their life is a train wreck. And they're not really a blessing to anybody. Don't shout their names out loud. (laughs) Especially if they're here. Because that's ending. It's so sad that they have forgotten what was given to them. It's all right here, free to take, free access by faith and humility. And you guys are going to go tell them, aren't you? You're going to go tell them. Stop trying to be fruitful, brother. Abide in Christ. Learn his promises and believe them. The grace of Jesus is going to be re- bring revival to our city, and we can be a part of it if we put our hope in this grace alone. His mighty work, his power that gives us all things that we need for life and godliness, right? Look at what Peter says next. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. For he has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Our dear brothers and sisters who haven't learned to walk by faith through grace are just short-sighted and blind. I don't get mad at blind people when I see them on the street. Do you? All these blind people. And I try not to make fun of short-sighted people with thick glasses on. Their problem is really that just that they had forgotten what Jesus has done for them on the cross. They were made a new human. They used to be a sinner, but born new by God. They were born once in Adam. But then they were born again as a child of God. The old man was crucified on the cross. And they were cleansed from that old man, that old sin. It is done forevermore. And he doesn't come back from the dead. Because that's reserved for only a child of God. Only a child of God can resurrect. But we forget that. And Satan uses our forgetfulness to trick us. Remember, I asked you, why do I still get tempted? Why do I still think about the way it used to be, all the old way? It's very simple what Satan does. Check this out. Track with me, okay? There is a remnant of that old man. He's not alive anymore, but... There's a remnant of him. And it still dwells in our memories and in our emotions and in our thoughts. 
And those memories and emotions and thoughts and those habits and those old idols, they seem so real to you and to me. Those old desires, those old idols, those old strategies we use to deal with our life. Those old things that used to satisfy us. The old, dirty, rotten, evil, self-centered, addicted, carnal, lustful, jealous, bitter, unforgiving person that I was. Lives in my memories. But he's dead. It's all dead. But Satan, he's such a trickster. He comes into my mind, if we aren't diligent, if I'm not diligent, and he uses my own voice. If we're not diligent to remember the grace and remember what Jesus has done for us, remember that you were cleansed of this sin, that that old man is dead and you are alive in Christ. If you're not diligent to remember that, Satan has an open door. And he uses your voice and he says, you want to have an affair. And the church is keeping you from it. You want to smoke that weed. And the Bible's telling you not to. That's who you are. You want to be unloving. You want to be impatient. You are unloving. You are impatient. Satan tells you that about yourself. But what did Jesus tell you about yourself? What did Jesus tell you? You're born again. You, amen. You are not that person. You are not. No matter how much you feel like getting a fix, you're not that person anymore. And Satan, he hates me right now for telling you this. He wants you all to die. He wants you guys to fail. He wants you to succumb to everything that an unbeliever succumbs to, even though he knows you can't. In truth, you're a child of God. You are a new person. But we forget it all the time. We forget it we forget it, and Satan takes advantage. All of a sudden, he tempts us to sin, and he tells us that this disgusting sin that you're being tempted with is who you really are. You're a sinner. He even uses, like I said, your voice. This is what you really want. No, I don't. I don't want that. I want to honor my father. I'm going to turn this around on him. Every time he tells you what he thinks you should want, all you got to do is flip it around and say, that's not what I want. And I thank Jesus that he killed that part of me that used to want that, still feels like I want it, but he killed it. And I thank Jesus for the new life he gave me. And how does this all happen? By faith. You just believe that he made you a new person. You might not feel like a new person, right? You might not feel like you've been made new, but you have been made new. How do I know? The Word says so. God's grace adopted you into His family, and you will never go back. You don't have to go back. You have the power to live a holy life 
Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, called this the exchanged life. He exchanges your old, dirty debit card for a shiny new one. And Satan is only able to trick you because he really can't defeat you. The Bible boldly declares, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Do you believe it? Do you? Don't forget it. When the dark nights come and you don't feel one little tiny bit of being saved, you remember what the word of God has told you. You are a child of God and everything is given to me that I need through the grace of Jesus Christ. So how can I keep from forgetting it? How can I keep from stumbling when Satan tempts me? He says, brethren, therefore be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, be diligent to make your calling and election sure. Who called? God did. Who elected? God did. So what are you doing? Your part is to believe it. How do you know that you were called? How do you know that you were elected? You believe it. If you believe, guess what? You were called. No one who was called. We'll get into that discussion later. It's by faith alone that we obtain these wonderful promises. By believing is how we obtain these promises. Check it out. Be diligent, he says, to keep your faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's the only way. That's what we're being taught here. Be diligent to test what you are trusting. Ask yourself this question. Am I trusting in myself or the power of the Holy Spirit? And when it's hard and when it's difficult, ask yourself that question. Am I going to trust in myself or am I going to trust in God and his word and his power? Ask yourself, could I do this thing if the Spirit abandoned me right now? Do I have to trust him to show up? Or am I able to do this on my own? It's not self-life that we've been given. It's his life. If you do these things, he says, you will never stumble. Do these things? What things? By faith, remember that you're a new creation. You are a child of God. And what you believe about what Jesus has done for you will determine how you act and what you do in this life. The thing, these things are promises. If you put these promises into your life, if you open up the door to these tanks and let them flow into your heart by faith, you get it. You'll never stumble. Believing and applying these great and precious promises is the key to it all. And that's why you guys and us over at our church and all the other wonderful churches of God across this city, 
we invest so much time learning and studying the Word of God, don't we? Because His Word uncovers His promises for us. And as we learn these promises, our hearts have an opportunity to now believe and access a new tank that day. We learn that His debit card can be used in a new way that day. And so we invest in this. He says at the end of our text, For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is crazy. The word supplied in that verse is the same word for add that we saw earlier. It's the same word. What you add to your faith was already supplied by Jesus. That's how that all works. Now we see that if we believe the promises of Jesus to supply all that we need for life and godliness, he adds abundant access to the kingdom of God for us. God's kingdom is where it's all at, right? There's no fear in God's kingdom. There's no loss. Always victory, always loving, always satisfying, never boring, never old or stale, but always fresh and new and living. That's where I want to live my life. I want to see God's kingdom in this world, all right? Now, is the kingdom just heaven? Of course, he could be talking about going to heaven here. But Luke chapter 12, verse 32 says, Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And this is in a discussion about trusting God for our daily needs there in Luke chapter 12 and not worrying about anything in your life. That's a tank that we have available to us. Never worry. How many of us are going to go out here and instantly think of something to worry about? Some of us are going to try to find something to worry about. And God says, just add the tank. Just believe my promise. It's here and now, this kingdom. It's available to us. He adds access to this kingdom by grace, and it's ever-growing, ever-winning kingdom. The gates of hell will not be able to stand against the church's growing kingdom of God as we are empowered by grace. Would you turn with me to Matthew 11? I know you guys are hanging tough, but he said I had two hours, so... I'm just kidding. We're almost done. Matthew 11 is where we're looking right now. So many of us have become tired and worn out trying to access God's kingdom ourselves or even grow his kingdom by our own strategies and efforts. I'm not asking you to raise hands, but I'm sure if I did, some of you would say, I'm tired. Following God has become a burden. Reading my Bible no longer has the joy that it once did. Loving my spouse is tough. Loving my kids is impossible. I'm tired and worn out. I've been trying to serve more. I've been trying to do more And do more for him. I've been given my best. I've been given my all. I've been given more. 
And I'm afraid that Jesus has been standing here the whole time with his hands of grace extended, asking us instead to receive all that we need from him as a gift of grace instead of trying. In fact, I want to tell you, any try in your life can be replaced with receive. Trying by definition means self-sourced, whereas receive by definition means outside of me, giving to me his wonderful grace. Matthew 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Okay, I get it. God wants me to receive his grace. God wants to give me his grace, rest from my striving and my efforts, and he wants to give me a free adoption as a child of God. He's already given it to me. How do I obtain it? Step forward in faith and add it. What does that look like? It looks like humility. Humble yourself and admit your need to God. God, you say that I should love my spouse, and I don't. I'm not, I'm not making a joke. I just, it's not in me. I can't source the kind of love that I'm required. Do you love your spouse perfectly? The answer is no. It wasn't a test. I already know. We don't love perfectly. We have to humble ourselves. Look at our life and look at the standards of the word of God and realize that we fail every moment of the day. We don't have it. We can't do it. And in that humility, we say, I've been failing I might have even been succeeding a little, but not up to your standards, so that's failing too. I've forgotten that you made me a child of God. I've forgotten that you are all that I need. This is, I'm telling you the way out of feeling down, the way out of feeling tired in following the Lord, the way to find a living relationship with Jesus. I've forgotten that you're all I need. I'm tired of trying to meet the needs of those around me, and I'm trying to meet my own needs, and I'm worn, worn out. And Satan keeps reminding me of who I was before you set me clean and washed me, set me free and washed me clean. In that humility, we don't just stay there, but then we add faith. And in faith, We step forward and we say, I believe all that you have promised me. The Bible says that if I call upon the name of Jesus, he will answer, he will forgive all my sins, and he'll make me a child of God, and I believe it. The Bible says that as a child of God, he has given me everything I need for life and godliness through abiding in him, and I believe it. So humility and faith, these two relational realities are, must be there as we to receive all that God has given us. They're not works. 
They're relationship realities. And these two things you can control at any second in your life, right now, you actually have the ability to choose humility and faith. And I'm going to tell you a cool thing. It's the only thing you can choose. You can choose to humble yourself and acknowledge your need to God. And you can choose to believe his word. But you can't choose to just, I'm going to love my spouse today. You can't do that. Because you don't have the resources and you have just shut the door to God's resources that were available to you, that are available to you. But you've said, I don't need you, God. All I need is me. And God says, all right, let's see how that goes. And... You all know how that goes. God invites all men everywhere to be saved and to enjoy him forever through Jesus Christ. And Peter says, be diligent to keep in that place where you're, it's all Jesus. Amen.